This is the Self-Taught or Not podcast with Dylan Israel and Eric Hanchett, where we teach you the do's and don'ts of software development from two software development professionals, one self-taught and one not. I think we're, uh, what, we're, were we talking about uh, new jobs? Is that uh, what we're supposed to be talking about today? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about uh, new jobs, sir. Yeah. I mean, you, you've started a job relatively recently, not as recently as me, though. Yeah, about a year and a half ago, I started a new oh, job. Oh, that's not that recently. Well, I, I, for some reason, I was thinking it's like six months ago. But, it feels uh, like six months ago. Yeah, my uh, my YouTube channel is giving me a hard time because in the theoretically, technically, in the last five months, I've worked at one, two, three, four different places. <laughs> <laughs> but like the first one was a year and a half. The next one was like three, four months, and then they laid me off. And then uh, I worked at that place for three and a half days. And now my current role, which I've been working at for a week. So, um, but yeah, so uh, I, I, you know, we've all, we've all worked enough jobs that we all sort of have an idea of what you have to do in your first week. But um, for me, it's always, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm a super introvert, but when you go out into the world and you have to be nice and make friends, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a different, a whole different thing. Yeah. It feels like the, when you start a new job, it's, it's depending on the job it is. I mean, they either throw you in the deep end, but hopefully most jobs have a nice ramp up time where you're getting to know the technologies and really getting to know the, like you said, like the people around you, getting to know your, your teammates, the dynamics of the team, the management. So you kind of ramp into it and start learning. I've never had that luxury. Uh, so uh, maybe at one of my roles, but my last, my last like role, uh, they were like week one. They're like, you know anything about service workers and client signed caching? Like on literally on like day one. And I was like, nah, uh, they're like, all right, cool. We need you to do that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, sure. Like, I mean, and that's one of the things that I always like sort of tell people is, um, if you're not uncomfortable at your new job, chances are, um, in terms of like technology stack tech, chances are you played a little too safe because uh, you want to grow. And um, I know right now I got, I'm getting thrown into the deep end on like it's Tuesday. Like I waited one more day before they're like, get in here. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, so they like day one, they let, let's tell our like day one stories then from, you know, it doesn't have to be the job you're in now, but maybe a few jobs ago. Do you have like uh, you said you on that job, you, got thrown into learning service workers. What else have you been thrown into? Yeah. Macs. Like (laughs) every, I hate working on a MacBook so much now that I put in my contract that I want to be on a windows device. Cause I've had, uh, I've had multiple companies tell me that they're going to put, Oh yeah, we'll get get you whatever computer you want. And they show up day one. And then they're like, here's your windows device. Good luck transitioning between your personal (laughs) home computer and Mac. Um, just reset all the key buttons. Like it's not the same. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, like a lot of it is onboarding stuff. You know, some companies have really long onboarding processes because uh, they, they just want you to be part of the culture and understand how things go. And some companies spread it out. But for me, for the most part, I've just been thrown into it. Like, you know, a couple jobs ago, I've never done Angular 2. I was coming from like an Angular 1 PHP shop. And, um, you know, the very first job, day one, it's like, hey, pick up PHP. I was like, okay, okay, you know, I've never, never been a developer before. Next job is like, yeah, here's, I thought I was going to do the same thing I was doing, like AngularJS. And they're like, no, you're doing Angular and TypeScript and jump into it right now. And we need you to build a component library. I was like, what are components? <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
that's pretty cool just getting jumping in there i i would so i, I guess i and i'm thinking back i've done both so i definitely like one of my jobs i was in we uh the first week it was actually this wasn't this was more of a tech support job this was years ago we literally the first day of work was get your badge fill out the hr paperwork and then here is a schedule for a three-week class that we're going to throw you in um, and then we had like an instructor and then they were telling us like how to take phone calls this was in the uh, like uh, quickbooks sort of learning accounting when i was in college um, however i think in technology jobs i've had it's always now that i think about it i think it's more mirrors what you're talking about dylan because i've had jobs where the first week it's like okay here's a bug or here's a project you need to learn it like the first time i went into my java development like last job i was at um, a few years ago i was there for eight years and i remember the first week i was there learning java i had done java in college and i i took a few java classes i knew it but I literally was given a project. Okay, here's a report that you know that we use in our legacy system. It's running in Java, Hibernate, all the buzzwords that Java has, um, Spring Boot. I need you to go in it, write some SQL queries, create this new report, have at it. <laughs> and so I was like, first week, I'm like working 10 hour, 12 hour days, looking up stuff online, probably like what you're doing right now, just just doing tons of research, trying to figure this out. Like I had no idea how to write these complex um, liquid-based scripts and, and, and SQL queries and running in Hibernate. I had like no idea. And I had a team lead and the team lead would like kind of point me in the right direction, but you don't want to be the guy that like uses your team leads time up all the time either. You don't want to be like totally helpless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely understand that. And so like, I've been like, I'm relatively new in my career. We're talking about like three to four years. I'm done with death marches. So like, I don't put in like my very first week. I, uh, I don't put in more than 40 hours. I don't care how much like on the weekends I'm going to study when I get home, I'm going to study, but you're not going to, when it's time for me to go home, you're going to see my behind leaving that, <laughs> that chair. <laughs> um, and so like, it, it sort of depends on what it's not even an organization. I think it's a team thing, how the team does it. Cause like, I, um, my buddy works at the same company I do, but he started about two weeks before and he's been there three weeks. He hasn't done anything, anything. He's like, dude, I, they just haven't been giving me work quite yet. They're building out the team and they're figuring it out. And he's just, so, you know, sometimes it's an organization thing. Sometimes it's a team thing, but you know, it, in the moment, in the moment when you're there and you're like, yo, I have to learn these technologies. I have to, you know, figure it out. It's overwhelming. It's tiring it's a little stressful, right? Cause like you don't really want to show up and feel like the dunce, you know, you, you want to, you want to show up and you're like, I'm ready to impress these dudes. And like, <laughs> um, or dudettes, you know, 20, 2019. All right. So, um, but it's, it's sort of rough because not only are you learning the code base, you're oftentimes learning new technologies and like, you know, the thing that I have found to, um, be a little bit hard, uh, in my current role is, Oftentimes, at least for me, I, the things that I value are code quality and like making sure that we're following some good standards and principles. And I've yet to come to a team that has valued that, at least in the code, to show it. And so when I show up, the very first thing I'm trying to do is educate. 
And um, you oftentimes have to do that by example. So something that may take another developer in your team two hours to do might take you six hours or eight hours or 12 hours to do properly because you understand the consequences down the road. And so that's something I'm struggling with right now is I, you know, you have to be sort of that barrier when you start. And that's a, that's a very uncomfortable position to be in, uh, in your first week. How do you, so that's, that's interesting because if you go into a, a position and you have, you have some best practices in mind, yes. but you're in an organization I'm not saying this current organization, maybe, you know, whatever organization, just we're making one up that isn't, doesn't understand those best practices or haven't been exposed to it. It's good to be the new guy to come up and say, Hey, I think we should do things this way. And I think, you know, we should maybe start thinking about a CICD pipeline or in some cases, Hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't save our code on, disk drives maybe we should have like a version control in extreme circumstances yeah, maybe we should use branches and things like <laughs> yeah. That. yeah maybe we should branch our code and and maybe this but i've been in organizations and i'll tell a story when i was i did qa for a couple of years uh, years ago and it, this qa department you know bless their heart they were good at what they did they've been they were doing it for like 30 years i mean some of the guys literally had been on the team for 25 years and they've gone through all the different management change-ups, everything that's happened. But a lot of their focus, I remember they had like a whiteboard in their lab. And in the whiteboard, they, someone's job was to keep the whiteboard updated with all the IP addresses of all their servers in their lab and all the spec information. And anytime something changed, they would go and update it. And I'm like... Hey, you know, we could create, these are like Unix type systems. You can run scripts and stuff on them. Like we could create scripts that grab all this information. There is, these problems have been fixed, you know, years ago. So we can create an interactive of whiteboard. We can create a wiki. Like they had never created a wiki to save information on. At least we can transfer this information to a wiki. And just going through like, no, I don't want to be, I don't want to add more work. I don't want to have to do this. It was just really difficult. Yeah, uh, which is why I don't ask anymore because I've, I've gone through that part where you try to convince people. And so now, um, and testing is one of these things. I've been at so many organizations where they just don't write tests. But guess what? I write tests. Uh, and that's just the sort of developer I am. And you have to have this almost confrontational sort of stance because as you as a sort of software engineer, if you don't sort of protect the code, you better believe nobody else will. And so it's a, it's sort of a uh, awkward conversation at times. It's an awkward stance, but you have to, there's a, there's a balance at anything and especially a new job, um, you know, um, but, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully most people are going in and they're impressed by the code that they see. And oftentimes they're not, <laughs> but uh, you know, maybe, maybe I've had some, some, uh, poor experiences but i i can say that that doesn't mean that just because the code base you're working in currently isn't great um you know depending on the organization there might be third-party contractors there might be you know maybe an intern started that code base and then they're like oh this is a great idea and you take over the project which is why maybe you even got brought on to the team in the first place and looking at someone else's code bases I think every I think it's a tendency for every developer to be like, "Wow, this this code's garbage," or "It doesn't work right." Or, I mean, I I don't think I've looked at too many code bases and been like, "Wow, this is this is amazing." 
yeah, maybe you, it's natural. Yeah, there is there is some natural like, <laughs> and uh, that's that's one of the things you have to be careful about is like, are uh, is it an ego thing? Like, oh, do I just think I'm so great? Um, which is why I always fall back to like certain principles and like standards and things like that, where um, you know a lot of especially in in like in sort of web dev for whatever reason. And maybe maybe it's the same thing. Other development environments. I just have I've, my experience in the web dev. It's sort of the wild west of open source and like the wild west of coding standards. And like especially because a lot of us are self taught. A lot of us only know what we know. And um, you know, so many people have repeated that first year twenty times that um, you know until they run into somebody willing to sort of show them the way. They've just been pathing their own way and it's a, it's a little bit rough at times. Yeah. So you're saying you've seen code bases with just tons of dependencies and things that really may not need to be there. I've I've seen uh I've seen a lot of everything. Uh, it's uh I've seen a um desktop only applications. I've seen Angular apps that have had jQuery injected into it and now they're doing jQuery because they don't understand how Angular work. Um I've seen I've seen it's 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 a little bit crazy. Um, just things like um, you know, just break, breaking all the solid principles in every single fashion. Not understanding um, self-documenting code. Not understanding clean code principles. Um, things that can be solved most of the time with refactoring. You see things like oh, there's no interceptor here. So in the one surface that has you know. Um, like, yeah, we do microservices until you get to the front end and then they don't really even do microservices on the back end. And then you go and you see the one service that's getting injected and it has a hundred functions and, you know, they, they are attaching headers in every single one, but they never just, they, you know, never set up an interceptor to ha handle that sort of stuff. It, it's, you, you've seen, a, everyone's seen a lot of stuff and quite frankly, you know, at certain points of my career, I'm sure I've written some stuff just like that um but uh you know we all should look back and uh and hopefully a year from right now and say see our code and be like yo man we can touch this up a little bit so how do so so your idea is you just go in if, if you can just go in and try to fix it so one thing i i've noticed in organizations especially going back to testing is that it's very difficult if you don't have a testing framework let me let me rephrase that. If you don't have it like a buy down from the top down, that testing is important. You can run into situations where, you know, everybody thinks, yeah, testing is important, but you know, we have this X Y Z feature that needs to go out the door. So you can either spend another few days writing these tests, or we can, you know, call this good and then ship it and then, you know, work on the next feature. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a hard balance, but you. You and that's why I I almost say it's a little bit confrontational where you just say I write tests, this is how I code. I do a test trip, and that's why sort of the people ask like, what's the why is you know uh, TDD or test driven development important? Sort of the number one piece of test driven development is that you write tests first so that they're written. Like that's it. So you can't skip over that portion. There's a lot of other reasons, but it's literally like. The number one reasoning for TDD is that you always are writing tests ahead of time as you're progressing so that they're written. So you can't so, have that skip. So that's the problem though. Like I'm a big fan of TDD, but I've never done TDD in like real life development. I've always been the guy that's written the code and then afterwards I'll go in and go like, this seems like a function that's pretty complicated. 
maybe I should throw some tests in there and then I kind of throw it in after the fact, which I'm guessing is probably not as valuable as if, if I written them first and then did the whole black, uh, red, green type of yeah, red scenario. Green factor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so there's an argument that can be made. I am so I although I am sort of a proponent of TDD, I'm more so just a proponent of testing, making sure you test things. So typically, how I write my tests is I will, um, you know, the so TDD would tell you to, um, you know, you write some, you write a test, it fails, then you write some code, it succeeds, then you write a test, it fails, then you write some code, it succeeds. That's sort of the the sort of a uh, red green refactor sort of thing. And then, then you refactor it again because you may have a test that passes, but it's not, doesn't do, it's kind of not yeah. written right. So I, I take a slightly different approach to it where I write a, I write a function whenever a single function is done. And mind you, my functions are very small. I'm writing a lot of private functions. So I might have a, a public function that does something that's called, but within it, it's calling three, four or two, two or three uh, private functions to, to sort of house the logic because it's, one of the best ways to do self-documented code. And then you test that you're getting your end results still in the proper format. So that's sort of how I go about it, which isn't sort of traditional TDD. Um, I more so I'm just about testing. I don't care how you get your test as long as it's tested. Um, but yeah, but uh, other than, you know, showing up on day one and sort of being like having to force your, your standards onto people. Um, there's a lot of other stresses, right? There's the, Oh, they hired me for this role. Turns out I don't know these, you know, technologies I knew I didn't know. And chances are you're transitioning from a job where he gave two weeks and all he had was two days to study. And so now it's time to get up and running with newer, new technologies. And that, that's what I think a lot of junior devs get afraid of because they see, um, they don't realize that you can apply for a job and not know all the technology stack. And that most employers, if not all, will will work with you. Especially, they'll tell you, "Okay, we're 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 having this back end. We're having these this cloud provider. You need to learn it." Yeah, and uh, I know for me, a lot of it has just been like, "Yeah, I've I've done sort of test projects in it. Nothing super complex, um, but you know, I do have. You can. This, this one thing about being able to present yourself in a in a good way. If you can show that you're proficient in one aspect of web development like really decent in it um you've already shown that you can learn something and they're probably willing to give you a chance so um you know every job i've i've really ever had i it's always been new technologies i'm jumping into new frameworks new new languages new um new aspects like you know oh i'm doing back end i'm doing front end only all these sorts of things where now you are thrown in and it's stressful without a doubt but you have to do that to grow and, um, you know, not only skill wise, but salary wise. Yeah, that's good. And going back to your point earlier, you know, I had the experience of working some extra hours, but now that I have kids and, and I know you have, you're a father to some kittens. Three cats and a, a 60 pound puppy. Oh my goodness. Oh man. He's uh, seven months old. He's going to be like 80 pounds. So either way, I mean, it's a lot of work to take care of, of, of people that mean and animals and so I can't work till like nine o'clock you know my wife's made dinner I got to take care of the kids I got errands to run so I, I am I'm probably at this point in my life more like you where I do work maybe after the kids are asleep when I have a little extra time and then also on the weekends 
Yeah. I mean, I, um, I say for the first three months, be prepared to put in overtime, but on your own time. And so like what I'll be doing this weekend uh, on the three-day holiday weekend, uh, I'll, uh, I'll be enjoying uh, about a 36-hour Node MongoDB Express and Mongoose course because uh, that's what I need to get up to date with. I've worked with these technologies, but I'm not at a developer level. There's one thing to build little uh, voting applications. There's another thing to know best practices and standards and you know touch something that you haven't touched in a year and a half. Um, so it's, it's up to you to find the time to do that. And some, sometime your, your work will give you that time. Most often time, not, you know, they're paying me way too much money for me to take a $10 Udemy course, uh, on their time usually. And you're also, uh, you're also sponsored by MongoDB. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of a, sort of a funny thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, I just got a sponsored shout out on the channel as well as a sponsored video coming out on uh on memorial day which is kind of cool like that's one of the very first things i say in the sponsored videos like mongodb is for a while been my database of choice i just love i love it i actually bought their stock a while back uh when they um did their ipo and i sold it after it doubled in like a couple months and now it's like five folded and i feel like an idiot wow. yeah um but yeah so they're killing it but uh yeah so that's that's sort of uh, i'm doing a full mean stack right now but uh, these are things uh, I've been doing front end for about two years. I have to sort of jump back into the back end, uh, review REST standards, um, you know, learn uh, Redis, and then all, all this sort of stuff that's, that's good. And so I'm, I'm going to definitely go from a more front end sort of centric dev to a full stack dev. And then, um, you know, as I get bored of full stack, I'll probably throw a little bit of DevOps in there. As I get bored of DevOps, I'll probably throw a little bit of UI UX in there. And after, <laughs> at that point, you're probably just in management. <laughs> That's what's cool about our, our industry is that you can start off doing front end, which let's admit, I don't know if this front end's been gotten, gotten pretty complicated in the last few years, but I think back end definitely is uh, pretty difficult as well. Um, but just you can transition. Like if you know JavaScript in the front end, a lot of organizations have JavaScript in the back end with Node. And so you can start seeing parallels between your front end and back end work. Now, I do know that some people love the front end to the point where, like I, I was on this podcast a few weeks ago and they were just saying, you know, we love, you know, I just love, they were like designers. They're like, you know, I love designing things in the front end. I love going the CSS and HTML and using different things. And I'm like, that's, that's not me. I like, I don't love the design part. I don't love throwing a bunch of CSS together. I mean, I'll, I'd throw it together to, to make it, the design look nice. But I love it that our industry is like, you don't have to be in front end. You can get in the Mern stack. You can go, you can learn Node in the back end. It's a lot of cool stuff happening up there. Yeah, front end is one of those uh, strange things too where I, I tell people like, is that, like, you know, you have back end, you have whatever your language of choice is there and servers and databases and maybe you're doing DevOps. Like, there's a certain skill set that's there that's a baseline. Front end is sort of crazy big when you say front end. There's people who are, like, doing just HTML and CSS and have a title front end developer. There's people who are doing jQuery to this day. Um, there's people who are doing more advanced stuff with, like, um, actual progressive web apps with, like, service workers and, you know, um, using up-to-date frameworks and doing responsive design and all, all this sort of stuff. And uh, it's so, that, that's one of the crazy things about it is you can have somebody making 30 grand as a front-end developer and they have someone making 150 grand as a front-end developer and there's front-end developers who don't do any design. Like I've always been pretty 
paid pretty well as a front end dev, but I've never done any design. It's just never something that occurred to me. I like building it and I like that I can see my code really at the end of the day. That's what I've always enjoyed about it. But uh, in terms of making it look good, I'm, I definitely haven't picked up that skill quite yet. Do you, do you think that if you had started 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago, I, you know, I'm not dating you. You might have been in high school back then, but you know, if you would have been doing that, you would have been a, like a webmaster, and you would have had to known everything. And I'm thinking, like, I kind of my career has been quite long, but I didn't do web development, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I can't imagine people think nostalgic about those days where you you got into a job and you were the webmaster and you were doing front end, you were doing like PHP in the back end, you had a provision the servers to get up on your web hosting site, your FTPing files. I'm like, that sounds awful. Yeah. And that's, that sort of speaks to our industry. Our industry has become very uh, sorry, niche specific where, you know, the, like, like we've talked about DevOps, that is literally the entire thing is deploying code. Like, like that is the whole specialty. And then you're like, so we've, we've gotten to this point where um, companies as the tech sector and software sector has grown, has realized the value in in people just owning one piece of the code because it wasn't you know too long ago that front end devs were really um, I mean even today people sort of talk shit on front end devs but they <laughs> but like it wasn't too long ago that 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 wasn't really like you just did it all that's it you just did anything you need for the web app you did um, you know and that's just sort of the way that it goes it still goes like that a lot of companies but i would say nowadays people want you to own one piece of the code and you know yeah you can grow as your years grow in a in a company like i'm doing exactly that i'm going from front end to full stack because i've i've put my time in that section and i'm ready to expand out but i feel like i feel like that's a good thing because it sort of shows the industry and those areas uh, maturing because the technology has gotten so crazy in every aspect that it's uh, sort of exciting in that fashion. I wonder if you're, if you go to a job, let's say a scenario of it's first day of a job, a new job, and they give you like a ton of just CSS and HTML. Should that be like a warning sign? Like what kind of red flags do you see when you start a new job? Oh man, it's so hard. Cause you always try to ask the right questions. And as someone who just quit a job after three and a half days, um, it's uh, you start hearing his a lot previous of, job, not this previous, one. Yeah, previous. This is month. This is months ago. Yeah. Um. So it's, you know, which is a strong record. If someone's quit before three and a half days, please let us know so we can interview you. I want to know what your red flags are. But for me, it's um, you know, again, I go back to the things that I find important: code quality and standards, and like agile practices, things that I ask questions about, and the one thing that I can take is that we're working on it. Like, Hey, these are things that we're struggling with because every company struggles with delivering a quality product and doing proper agile and, you know, really wanting a good code base and standards and stuff like that. But when I see that it's apparent from like day one, day two, day three, that we're just not doing it and we have no intent to get better. That's when you sort of lose all hope. And, um, you know, I, I would say, I would say, um, if they put me on any sort of ridiculous projects, like if anytime you ever get hired for a job and then you find out that you're not actually doing that job and they basically lied to get you in there, that's like the number one red flag for me. So at least have an idea of, of what to expect. 
like you should you during the interview process you should have an idea of like of course what's your starting salary what day you're starting and then what's what stack you're going to be working on and then what you're going to be doing day to day you should have asked those questions beforehand so that way when you get there if there's some discrepancy between what they told you and what you're actually doing then you can can make that decision if this was the right fit or not yeah and i know yeah. i know some organizations uh, some businesses they treat you like uh like they're hazing you almost like we're going to give the new guy shit like we're going to give him a bunch of crap because that's how we that's how everybody goes through this you have to go through and do the crappiest jobs first and then we're going to get you into the to the real jobs yeah it's there's some organizations that do that and to them um they've probably lost a lot of really good devs <laughs> but um you know, I would say most of the time it's more of a management decision where, you know, the devs, you typically will interview with devs and then you'll get rounded up with management. And like the, the number one thing that I think scares, at least scares me away is um, sort of uh, it's there's certain red flags that you're just like, oh, you're on. You, this is a 24 seven death march. huh? This isn't even like a once in a while death march Because like I'm out of like I'm out of my nine lives. So like <laughs> Like, I'm good. I'll take a pay cut if I have to not to be on a death march because, like, um, you know, like you said, we do have lives and eventually I'm sure I'll have children and things like that. But even if I didn't, and that's one thing that sort of pisses me off because I've had some people uh, at organizations be like, well, Dylan's just work. Like, he doesn't have to get home to his kids. It's like, nah, dude, I got my own shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I look, uh, don't, don't be saying, like, your time's more valuable than mine. So we're all equal here. We equal we're equally survivors of this death march. Um, but yeah, so if you, if you feel like on day one, day two, day three, that you're on a death march and it's pretty apparent that it, nothing's going to change, I would, you know, I'd suggest looking elsewhere as, as I have. So if, if, you're, uh, if you join a company called EA and they're like, you're done. You, you oh. <laughs> yeah, that's why people ask me, hey, have you ever thought about being a game developer? Like, I think every developer that plays video games at one time in their life thinks about being a game developer but like how many stories do you hear all the time just all the time about people crying in their offices people people just breaking down and like they're like yeah it's getting better it's like no dude and it's not um and you know i could i can just tell you that in my own personal experience with past employers where you go to your boss and you tell them like i i remember this meeting with five other devs uh, where we were, they were having this crazy deadline for months. We're telling them we can't deliver, we can't deliver. So we're putting in overtime in the the company, even though our, even though like you know you track things with story points, even though our we were picking up momentum and we we're accomplishing more than we have historically. Um, basically, threatened to fire all of us and replace us with contractors because they thought we were slowing down just because we couldn't meet the deadline that they wanted. Well, that is a terrible. See, anytime like when people start throwing around like threats, like we're gonna fire you or we can replace you. Yeah, that's a really bad organization. Yeah, yeah, and and naturally, this sort of death march stance has continued as I, you know, I talk with other coworkers <laughs> that work there. But this is, you know, these are the things that can happen to you in your career. Um, and you know, you sort of, it's, it's rough cause, um, especially you just start a job and you're, you get in an environment like that, or, um, no matter what point, you know, most of us have kids, mortgages, families, you know, most of us who are software engineers are oftentimes going to be the breadwinners in the family. 
they'll be the ones with the largest salaries. You know, maybe your wife and kids are on your benefits and all of a sudden you have someone, you know, threatening to replace you with some, some contractors or just threatening to get rid of you if you don't make the deadline. And, you know, you, you put in, you know, most people will put in that and nine out of 10 people might just, they'll bite the bullet for the time being and then they'll go look for a job and maybe they actually go and look or maybe after that gets delivered. But, you know, it's just one day away from another death march a lot of times. Ugh. Yeah. And I know we're going to wrap it up here, but I, I was going to say, look, if you're starting a new job, look at the organization. See if usually there's, I want to say three, maybe more stakeholders, but there's usually like a product person. There's usually like project management. And there's usually like your tech, your developers. And everybody should have like an equal say in the meeting. So it can't be like project management gives you this deadline and they're, you know, it's unreasonable and it's not based on, you know, anything that the tech, the developers have, because usually, and you hinted at this Dylan, that there's a point system. Usually there's project management tools called like Jira or Atlassian has types of products where you track how long each product project is compared. And, and then the developers make estimates. And then throughout a number of cycles, those estimates get better and better to the point where we can say, hey, Dylan, hey, Eric, we need to add this feature to the website. You say, hey, it's going to be done in two weeks. They know that's a good deadline because they look at the historical amounts that you've given in the past. Project management takes that deadline to give you, to create a, like a hard deadline for it. They, they talk to product about it, and they talk to management. So everybody's in line with it. But in some organizations, like that tech component isn't there. So it's just these project managers and management that's dictating deadlines that don't have any basis in reality of what the developers can actually do. And then you get to the point where we have to work, you know, back to back weekends to make some arbitrary deadline. Yeah. And a lot of it, I think, stems from like certain organizations don't even want to have a tech department, but they have to have a tech department <laughs> to run their business. And so they, they treat you um, not like a professional a lot of times. And they just like, these are just people that work for us like anybody else. And they're going to do what we tell them to do and they're going to get it done. And they're going to care. They cut corners. And you know, that's, those are, there are a lot of organizations like that, you know, that, there's, a, there's a reason the average dev works for a company something like 18 months. But what I can tell you is that when you start your first, uh, to bring this sort of full circle, when you start your first um, job or your first, the first week of your new job, the number one telling sign for me is how my boss and my immediate coworkers look. Like, do they look happy? Like, forget what they t turn. Imagine you can't hear a word they say. Do they look happy? Like, and if they do, that's always a great sign. I've turned down higher paying jobs at financial companies and like banks that, because the people I'm at four devs, two of them, I was worried weren't going to make it the week. And like, you know, the manager at this, this job that I, I worked for a short time looked like he was just beat down, tired. He's been on that death march for way too many miles and just, you know, his feet are bleeding is, you know, um, but look around and see how those people don't listen to what they have to say. Just look around, keep your eyes open, uh, ears open and see what that new environment is. And you know, if it works out for you, fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm glad I, I made a, a jump and I'm very happy. And, uh, but also, uh, if you are happy and you do enjoy it, be willing to put a couple extra hours in the weekends to get up to speed as quickly as possible. Cause you know, management, they don't want to pay you to, to not get the job done, even though maybe the devs around you understand.
Very cool. Hey guys, thanks for watching. If you want to find more about what I'm up to, go to dylanisrael.com. And if you want to know what I'm up to, you can check out my website at eric.video. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And if you do, you might even be featured on our next episode. Don't forget to check out the website at selftaughtornot.com. From there, you can sign up for a mailing list where we give away free courses and a bunch of cool stuff. And we'll also let you know when the next episode comes out. And finally, if you didn't know, we have a Facebook group. It's called Code Tech and Caffeine. We have over 10,000 members and you can find the link at selftaughtornot.com. So come join us. We have tons of developers willing to help you guys, mentor you guys. Check it out. Just make sure you go to selftaughtornot.com and check out the Code Tech and Caffeine link. Thanks and take care.